On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we're going to be talking about why I suck as a better one and nine recent one and eight recently in all football games that matter at any level, at least the pregame picks. We're actually going to have an interesting conversation about what the Super Bowl lines might be, and then we're going to revisit Clemson and LSU from a standpoint of would you make that same bet again? With that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to the, what is it now? Conference championship weekend? Conference, Conference championship, weekend. championship weekend. How about the, Jeff is one for his last uh, 12, one and, no, sorry, one for eight, one and eight in my last, um, all my football picking, not including second half. Second halves have been okay. But in things that I actually like put my name next to, I'm one and eight. So I've- 0 for four in the first round, one and three this round no no sorry one and three in the first round oh for four in the second round and then obviously we all had clemson so how I are think you I, I think i'm just as bad I, I was i think we were basically in agreement on these things yeah. so if people waited they waited the entire year for us to agree on picks it probably know. you know so didn't work interesting out. let's 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 uh let's first ta- talk about um nfl and then we can jump into college uh one of the things that was interesting, obviously, was Tennessee just kicking the crap out of Baltimore. But really, they didn't kick the crap out of them. From a score standpoint, they did. But we talked about this um, on Twitter, you and I, and there were just some very highly leveraged plays. So I was, I was lying in bed on Monday night, and, and this may mean that I have a problem. And I was just thinking to myself, I feel like it's been three weeks since any team I cared about made a leverage, like was successful on a leverage play. In about three weeks since any team that I wanted to lose did not make a leverage play. Like in the Patriots game against Tennessee, the Patriots just didn't score in the red zone. And that was probably the, one of the biggest reasons they lost that game. That and Bill Belichick lost his mind and not going for it on fourth down. Um, but in that Tennessee Baltimore game, there were just these sort of like few plays that made such a huge impact on the game. There's a world where Tennessee only scores probably, what, 16 points in that game. Yeah, no, you're right. There, There is a world. I mean, they didn't score that many points overall, did they? What was, they what was the final? They scored 28 points. Well, was it, we're, we're, no, I guess it was against the Patriots. They had the defensive touchdown. No, no, it was 28 end. to 12. They scored four touchdowns, okay? Three of them were third downs, and one of them was that three that of them long pass, down. right? There was there was the pass after the fourth down, after the fourth down. Yeah, Ravens like a miracle catch, like that was a miracle catch. That was an amazing catch. Yeah, and then the next one was the Derrick Henry jump pass, and the third one was a Ryan Tannehill option that they ran. They ran like a like a true wishbone option for. So wait, what about? But there was that long pass. And there um, was the long pass. That's four touchdowns. Yeah. The long yeah. pass is obviously was number not two. a leverage situation, but it's a, pretty, it's a pretty freak play that probably doesn't happen very often, right? It, it go, went to uh, like a third or fourth string 
a wide receiver. And, you know, it was just like, it was actually something that you and I talked about. They, they create these really interesting, weird matchups um, with these strange players you've never heard of. And they seem to do it again. Like even the, that first touchdown to that tight end was a guy, I, I don't remember if I'd heard of him. Who was that? Wait, Johnny that Smith? That was, was Johnny the first Smith. One. Okay, yeah, no, he's, I've heard of Johnny you've never Smith. heard of him? No, I've heard of Johnny Smith. I, I forgot. I, for, I thought it was some other tight end. They had, Ferk, sir. they had like a bunch of, no, they, and they have another random tight end. Oh, man. You know, I'm working on Super Bowl prop prep already. And it better and, not be Tennessee, otherwise you're effed. Well, no, I'm doing some work on Tennessee. I haven't gone through every Tennessee kickoff like I've gone through every Kansas City kickoff, but, like, watched video of it. Um, but I do know some of the names of the – you know, Tennessee has a guy named Michael Pruitt, a tight end. I've never – he apparently – you know, he plays on, like, almost half the snaps, though. Do you think that's how you pronounce it, Michael well, it's M Y. The Y is lowercase, and then the C is uppercase. So, yes. how would you pronounce it if the Y was uppercase? Mikol. My my Mikoli. Mikol. I would have said Mikol, but but we are we we already have a Mikol. He's playing against Michael. We have Michael against Mikol this week. There's a restaurant in San Francisco that's M Y China. It's a uh, owned by China. It's owned by Yan Can Cook, Martin Yan. So it's Martin Yan China. So it's my China uh, or China. Um, So, okay. So do you want to talk anything more about that or did we already kind of talked about it? I mean, no, you're right. I mean, it was the, I mean, Baltimore, I thought made it with the exception of clock management. What what did your game grades? What did your game grades look like in that game? I didn't run those game grades, but honestly they're not, the game grades aren't going to tell you that. I think the game grades will overweight a little bit of, well, It'll make Baltimore will look very poor in terms of scoring efficiency, which in a one-game sample, that's yeah, you don't know what that's from necessarily. Um, but I was going to say that with with the exception of the first half clock management and and sort of saving those timeouts, um, and which you know, and they ended up using them, you know, after that that amazing one-handed catch on the deep ball at the end of the first half. I mean, with the exception of that sort of bad clock management there, um, I thought that. John Harbaugh and the Ravens made the right decisions in terms of on fourth down and going for it. Yeah, I mean, that's, so, I don't, I don't think anyone that listens to this podcast would disagree with that. You know, I think people that don't listen to this podcast might disagree with it, but I think our listeners are smart and astute enough to know that those fourth downs that he went for were, were good decisions. And right, before, and 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 going for it or and going going for the two point conversion on what is to me a very obvious one when you're down twenty two and score a touchdown, you so, should, de- but. What, one question I had, though, um, I feel like was maybe you could criticize Harbaugh was was the play calling, right? In both of those fourth downs, they were basically just, you know, Lamar go get us a yard, and, and maybe that's what they've been doing all year, and it seemed to work pretty well. You don't want to broke what's not fixed, but you would think that maybe after the first one, when he saw what Tennessee was doing, they would have tried to. You know, we've always there's always this notion that in these fourth down situations, there's a huge opportunity to basically go for a touchdown and, and you talk about a leverage situation. If you turn a fourth and short into a touchdown, that's a huge, you know, higher expected value kind of situation. Right. I think that's sort of a mixed strategy thing because obviously, you know, if, if your chance, your chances are, let's say you have like a 20% chance of getting a touchdown and an 80% chance of not getting it, you're not going to go for the touchdown there. Right. Right. I mean, so it's, 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 it's a less, I don't know what those numbers are obviously, but, going for the big play is generally at the expense of um, more certainty in terms of getting it. Like you're, yeah, you're, you're losing sort of 
first down equity, but gaining touchdown equity. But right. you know, I'm not qualified to talk about the play caller. Like I don't understand the X's nose well enough to to well, say our, our if that was bad. Friend, our bearded friend thought that they maybe abandoned the run a little bit too early. But I mean, well, no. Well, they were down like when they were down three touchdowns. You know. No, he was saying in the first half that they abandoned it a little bit early. And, you know, the reality is that if you look at that game and you compare it to the next day's game where, you know, honestly, when Bill O'Brien decided to kick a field goal to go up 24 nothing, I was like, that is a horrid, horrid decision. You think it's horrid? So um, Matt Davidow um, and Deck Prism actually had it he said that actually increased their win probability by 1% kicking the field goal. And I think that has to, it, it largely rests on the fact that you're up 21, nothing. And so when you are and, and you're the a prohibitive favorite at that point, I, I was following it on live betting. I actually got some Kansas city plus three eighty eight at that point. Or, oh my God. That's amazing. Um, but so, so at that point, Tennessee's a prohibitive favorite. And so yes, you're, you're, you are not maximizing your expected points by kicking that field goal, but the, you're, you're limiting, you're lowering your variance. And so by doing that, I think that would be the argument for why you're actually better off kicking the field goal there. So, you know, if you were, Jeff, at what point would you say they, you know, they, they, they should do that. That that would have been the right decision. If they were up 31, nothing, would you have kicked the field goal there? I guess, I mean, I guess from that standpoint, from the lens of like lowering variance, I understand it, but I just think that's such a high, I mean, I guess the other question is like, in what um, in what scoring environment would 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 this change, right? With this game had a very high over under of like fifty one, um, and you knew Kansas City, you know, obviously you didn't know, but certainly like the historically they are a pretty good offensive team, so you think that you're probably still going to need points to win that game. You're probably not going to win that game twenty one nothing or twenty four nothing or twenty four twenty one or whatever. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, and again, this is not analytics and, and I, I respect Matt David, work that would, that would indicate that that might not have been a horrid decision. Um, I, I just think that you, you have a chance basically to continue to put points on you've, you, you only have a, it was less than a yard, I think. So you yeah. have an ability to, to sort of really, really, and then like, look, look well, what, what they should have done was challenge that spot rather than take a timeout because it looked like they the, the spot was bad and, and they would have at least if they can, I don't know if now they can change the spot um, and remeasure, but you know, because it used to be only if it's only the calls only changed if you get the first down, but obviously the spot cost them about three quarters of a yard. Yeah. But least. it's also a first, it's also a first quarter. Well, I guess well, it's and you don't want to blow one challenge, right? If you yeah. don't get it, then you only have another one, but um, yeah, but there's well, so many so, plays that are automatically challenged. So, I mean, so if you go back to that play for that, that situation for a second, um, you know, I, I think, I, I just guess I, I just think that, you know, the other situation that happened and, and one of the reasons that people say to go for it is they were inside the 25, right? So there's a good chance that they're going to gain some field position there, even if they don't get it. Wait, um, if, I wouldn't say they gain field position there because what's the average starting field position about the 25 after a kickoff? Yard line. So, so it would have been pretty field position neutral. Well, they would have gained field position, right? They were well, probably, what, they were at the 20 yard line. That's five yards of field position. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways. So, but remember what happened if we're very results oriented, if we were called bet the results, 
McCall Hardman had that long kickoff return and ended up, you know, that was in a lot of ways what springboarded or started the comeback. So started the momentum, right? Bet the results. Bet the results. Let's start that podcast no, to be better. But I, I do think overall, knowing what the live line was and the fact that the market price at that point, Kansas City at like I think 25% or less to win the game, that tells you, I mean, at that point, I think minimizing variance is, you know, there is something to that. And and it's honestly, it got me thinking more too. What happened, you know, let's say you're an 18 point favorite in a tie game, you know, you, do you kick the field goal there? Cause you're such an overwhelming favorite that it's, you know, you're reducing your variance, which probably, you know, helps increases your likelihood of winning. I mean, maybe that's why uh, Bill Belichick kicked so many field goals. Honestly, that that is was one thought of mine. That's interesting. Maybe there, Bill hasn't lost as much of a step as it feels like he's lost. Speaking of coaches losing a step, um, Pete Carroll, and a lot of people criticized him heavily for that decision to punt on third and 11 with, I believe it was like three and a half minutes to go, but all three timeouts at their own, what, 35-ish yard line. I thought um, – I, I was actually – you know, I was happy they punted because of rooting interests with live and second-half bets and stuff. Um, but I – because I wanted that game to just end at that point. But, you know, again, Matt Davidow said that it cost them 1%. Some other models said it cost them 8%. But I didn't think it was an egregiously bad decision just given the fact that your odds of converting a third and 11 are not that high and you have all three timeouts and, you know, three and a half minutes to go. Um, although Russell Wilson does seem to, you know, third and long is the Seahawks preferred down and distance. Well, that's another issue with that team. Right. And we, well, we, t- we talked about this. We talked about this last week. We talked about this notion that like, if they just always started down the reason, one of the reasons they're a good underdog is, when you get points with them is because they, their play calling significantly improves when they get down yeah. and their offense becomes much more efficient. And it's almost, it's so obvious to anyone that like looks at analytics and it, it's almost like painful. If I were a Seahawks fan that had half a brain, it would drive me crazy to watch this situation where they're trying to run the ball with, you know, Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer who like are not talented and maybe running back doesn't matter that much. But at this point, those guys are not going to be able to run the ball and you're just wasting plays. Like if you give Russell like the chance to make three plays, you know, to get 10 yards, you feel like he's going to be able to do it. Yeah. It's, you know, Seahawks Twitter is very well aware of all that. And it's, I had, I had the Seahawks in that game um, plus four and a half. So that was sort of painful when they went for two, which I knew they were going to do and I, they should do. Um, I had the Seahawks in the second half and I had the over in that game. So at least I won two of those, two out of three of those. I had some, wait, did the Seahawks cover second half? Yeah, they were minus three and a half and they, they were, they were plus 15 or something or four, plus 13 in the second half. Yeah, they're plus 13. Okay. Cause I had, I had some Seahawks posi- positions, but I also had some Green Bay because I had a bunch of different positions live. Um, what are you, what are you looking at this week? And for the games this weekend are two are two games. Yeah. Um, I, I have zero bets. No bets. I mean, it's only two games. You have, so. you have slight leans to both favorites, right? Mm, no, I mean, I have, let's see, I have San Fran minus eight and Casey minus 7.8. 
And that's, right. that's, so, that's with, but, but the player models don't let, I mean, the player model doesn't, is much closer to, is much, you know, it's a shorter number there. So, you know, when you average that all out, I have minus 6.8 and minus 6.6. Kansas City's down to minus seven, minus 111. The only reason I might take a shot at Kansas City if I have a, even the smallest of edges is just as a hedge. Right, because you have you have some pretty big Tennessee futures. Yeah, I thought I had more. I guess I had more wagered on Baltimore, but I have to win more on Tennessee. I went and looked through, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't realize we had as many Tennessee futures as we did." So, which by sure the way, most of those futures were not good going into the postseason. Like going into the postseason, Tennessee's odds to win were like a hundred to one or something. That's what I had the true true odds, and a lot of these were like, you know, eighty to one or fifty to one conference. So, what do you what do you make these two totals? Um, let's see. I have the Green Bay total. I make it 47.3 and I make the Kansas City total 49. So I lean a little under in the Kansas City one. Huh? No, isn't that's a little, it's 52 and a half. So what would that need to get to for you to make a play on, on the under? Honestly, I still have to update a few things in there. I haven't been prioritizing that um, just because I know like it was what it came out and it was 51. And I think the 49 is what I made it without having updated numbers based on what happened last week. Um, Cause one week is not, I mean, one week's going to make a difference of like a point at most though. So, I mean, um, if that line, if that gets to like 53, wouldn't you take the under on can in Kansas city? Yeah. Uh, first I would actually update my numbers and then I would make sure, make sure it's still 49 and then I would take the under. I mean, I think there's a weather oh, and I got to put the weather in. I yeah, haven't put the weather in here. It's either. really, it's supposed to be really cold. I okay, think give, give me some numbers for this. Uh, let me see. Let's we need some wind speed, weather. rain or snow probability and temperature. <laughs> and you're going to update it on the fly on the fly. It's pretty cool. Okay. So let's see here. Kansas city is on Sunday. Actually, it's supposed to be pretty clear and it's supposed to be 24. Very good. Um, yeah, with a low of six. Well, high. What? But what about a game time? I mean, probably it, the game time is around noon or one, right? One. So. Uh, so we're not being that exact, huh? Okay. Well, what, what, what's our wind speed at that time? That's what I really want to know. I think the reality is that the under the, there's value on the under in that game. I'm going to say that right now. Do you do you think there's do you think there's value on the under? No, I think I think knowing that you you projected out at forty nine without putting in the weather, so the weather is slightly Ele- wind of eleven. What's that? Wind of eleven. Yeah, so it's the wind. Is, the weather is is definitely worse than an average game. Yeah. Okay. So I have a one point two points worse than the weather makes it forty seven point eight now. Yeah. So you would love the under here. It's fifty two and a half. Yeah. Probably. I probably will take it. I'm not in a hurry here because I still think it's going to get. This is a fairly public betting game. Yeah, and, but and there's I mean, been there's okay. been movement towards the over on Kansas, like every but, Kansas City game in recent. But weeks think too. about this for a second, okay? You have a situation where Tennessee will likely have success running the ball, right? Yeah, Kansas City does not have a good rush defense, and and Tennessee is not going to put themselves into a situation where they are in a shootout. Now, whether they are able to stop Kansas City at all. Who knows? But they're going to do everything they can to to shorten this game and run and use clock. And, you know, maybe Vrabel does that thing again where he 
takes a bunch of penalties and uses up three and a half minutes of the clock or whatever. I think would be nice. And a half, I think 52 and a half is under 52 and a half is great value right now. So do you think that let's say Tennessee jumps out to a 14, nothing lead. Is that better or worse for the total than can't than Kansas city jumping out to a 14, nothing lead. I think it's probably still worse. Tennessee being up 14, nothing. Yeah. Oh, I would. Here's, here's why I say they that. can build the clock better than a Houston could. No, I'm sorry. You're saying if what's better for the under or what's better for the over? Sorry. What's better for over? What's better? Which one? Yeah. If if Tennessee jumps out to fourteen nothing, it's it's better for the over. Yeah, I agree. And I yeah. think and that's I, I hit a bunch of overs on that Texans Chiefs game when it was like twenty one nothing because I feel like the market wasn't pricing that in enough. Pricing in the fact that like the team that wasn't expected to score very many points was way ahead of it. Right. And the team with a ton of firepower on offense was behind. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think like the best situation, you know, if Kansas City gets up 14 nothing, Tennessee is not all of a sudden going to turn into an incredible offensive team. And Kansas City will definitely become more conservative in their play calling. So I don't think that's a bad thing for the, for the under if that were to happen. Yeah. So would you say, I mean, obviously, mathematically, there's correlation between a team, you know, a minus seven. There's a slight bit of correlation, not much. Minus seven and over whatever than 52 and a half, I guess. And that, the reason for that is because if you think about it, there's only um, – if, if, if neither team wins by seven. So, I mean, there's situations like a 6 nothing game, right, where it's impossible for, for it to hit that sort of 52 and a half. But that's why the correlation there is, is – fairly weak um if i mean basically negligible i would say wouldn't you just mathematically but but correlation in terms of style of play and stuff like that would you say that if kansas city covers minus seven it's more or less likely that this total goes over i think i think it's more likely it'll go over because i think it means that kansas city put up you know somewhere in the neighborhood of like 35 points but if they jump but but if they jump out to a 14 nothing lead it's more likely it goes under. But you're saying if Tennessee stays in the game, it's going to be a lower scoring game probably. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't think that that's rocket sign tree. Um, what do you think about the tease here, the Wong tease? I mean, you had a situation earlier in the week where they were both seven and a half and it seemed like it was setting up perfectly for a six-point tease if you were able to. Um, get that at minus 110. Right, which is funny because you're like, oh, I got it at the right time. But in fact, actually, you're getting it, – it's, you know, it's better to tease now than it was then. It's it's not a true Wong tease anymore, but but that's just because of the line movement. I mean, do you think that that's a solid play? I mean, I, it would, especially given your – what would you calculate the value given the fact that you do show a teeny bit of value on both favorites anyways? Yeah, honestly, it depends on what price you're getting on it. You, you so, tease at six point two point two team six point teaser minus one ten. I'd have to actually plug in. I'd have to pull up my numbers given the total. It's gonna you know higher total means it's a little bit less valuable that yeah. tease. But but I might be lo- I might be looking at that. I might I haven't actually looked at it yet, but I might be looking at it closer to game time, especially given the futures position. I think that would be would be a nice way to to get a little bit off of that Tennessee position. Just a touch. Interesting. If if it's plus EV, 
I mean, if it's 0.1% EV, I will, I will do it because it's reducing variance and not decreasing my returns. But I mean, at, at minus 110, I, I'm almost guaranteeing you, given your numbers, it's going to be plus EV. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> minus seven to minus one. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I don't actually know what that number is right now. And given the fact that, you know, seven isn't as critical a number as it was before the new extra point rules. That's one thing that I think a lot of people don't aren't necessarily accounting for. Um, you know, that these, these sticky numbers aren't quite as sticky as they used to be. Yeah. And certain numbers are becoming not, a little stickier. Not, the, the key numbers aren't as key as they used to be. So well, in teams, the te- well, in teams are making more analytical decisions. So a team that's down 14 points in, in the fourth quarter and scores a touchdown, and goes for two, you know, that's the right analytical decision. Um, and that bas- that guarantees that the game's not going to land on seven, basically. Got it. Right? So you should see more of the eights and the sixes, you would think, if teams are doing that more. Yeah. So maybe there's a and new... And some fives. Maybe there's a new Wong tease. Maybe. Maybe. The problem is uh, it, it's it's so tough to figure out what the true distributions are. And I don't have a simulation model right now, but I think that's basically the only way to properly price it. If you sort of simulate and say, okay, in this you know, at this point, you know, this team scores, um, are they going to go for two or not? Um, and, and I've simulated out stuff. I've actually what I what I did a really quick and dirty way of of doing this, Jeff, was basically simulated past games and said, but with new extra point stuff, and basically said, you know, every score, um, you know, rather than being auto, you know, a team went up seven nothing, I'd say, okay, well. 95% chance they make the extra point, you know, then it's suddenly it's six, nothing. And then I reevaluate what their decision would have been at that point. And, and I got a, obviously a different distribution, but it's not perfect though, because obviously teams are, te- you know, teams wouldn't have the same incentives if a team, instead of being down, um, instead of being down three is now down five, they wouldn't have kicked a field goal. Right. So, but that, that was sort of my quick and dirty a, way of doing it. Is this a is this a um, you know sample size issue? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, in what is this the fourth year of? No, but I mean, how, what's 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 the is it? I mean, this becomes like one of those like how much data do I use that is accurate to the new behavior that I'm seeing versus you know like or do I I just can't I just need an, um, enough data anyways. So maybe I have pulling in some data that isn't reflecting what I believe to be the paradigm shift. Right. You don't have enough data after the paradigm shift. So what you need to do is basically create artificial data, which is by simulating. Boot, like and what I'm saying I did was I sort of... Data, I think, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So quick, but quick, what, what I was saying, what I was doing was using all past games and basically simulating based on oh. you know, what are, had already happened, but just basically simulating the extra points based on the new rule and, and recreating the analytical decisions there, which isn't as good as actually simulating a real game. But simulating a real game is more difficult, obviously. because. So know. a friend of mine that listens to this podcast and one of, was one of the creators of Madden asked me if it would be useful for you to have sort of a bottoms-up uh, simulation for uh, players sort of sorry simulation engine that would incorporate players 
So does that mean like simulating on a block level, simulating on a, you know, how, what am I simulating then? You're simulating what's going to happen in the game based on the players involved in the game. So what, but what are my, I guess, inputs to the simulation? Am I saying this, am I simulating each play and saying this is the distribution of yardage that like, this is either a pass or a run, you know, maybe, 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 we should, maybe we should just have him on the podcast or maybe I should connect the two of you guys and you can, you can figure it out. He said it wouldn't be hard to build a player level simulator for, for this stuff. To, to sim like actually the pa- like a pass complete to Devontae Adams. I know someone that has a player level, a, a model that simulates and generates all the player stats and stuff. And it's, it's quite, um, it's quite impressive looking. But, Do you think it'd be useful for you to in your player your player level model that you is so egregiously different, honestly, than Massachusetts? <laughs> you wonder like what the fuck's going on. Uh, honestly, all this stuff though, like the simulation is as good as the inputs are, as good as the player projections are, whatever you are simulating. You're based you're as good. You're as good as your inputs are. How are my inputs though? They're shitty. So you're yeah. very good. That's a good point. Um, okay. So, so NFL, we've talked ourselves into a situation. How about, how about this? What do you think the lines would be in the four different combinations of games? You can tell us that right now. Okay, let's do this. Okay. So Kansas city, San Fran, what do I think they are? Or what do I think they should be? What do you think they should be? And I'll tell you whether I think that they're off or not. I think Kansas city, San Fran should be a pick. Kansas city, San Fran. I think, Kansas City will be favored by a little bit. I think they'll be like minus two and a half. Yeah. Um, Kansas City. That's and- interesting that you think that because your numbers, you've shaded against San Francisco. So if it does come out, if that, if that does pop Kansas City three, I'm going to be on San Francisco. Yeah, I would too. Okay. I think that Kansas City has, has looked – I mean, well, San Fran looked very impressive last week. But Kansas City has more firepower. They have Mahomes. I think that yeah, the, the idea is people like the offense. offense. People like people offense. Like Kansas Chicks City, Green off. Bay. I would say Kansas City against – I I think it should be five and a half. I think it'll actually – I think it would be six. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that's less than six. Although you do have like the fact that Green Bay will have beaten San Francisco in San Francisco and Favre probably, I'm sorry, Favre, Rogers will probably have done something pretty spectacular and there'll be the Rogers narrative. Um, but I think you're right. You, so you think that line should be five and a half, but you think it'll go, you think it'll open higher. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure about that because the Super Bowl is a different animal, obviously. It's a lot of public money. A lot of people that don't bet normally influencing it but it, it's you're right though i think a lot will, will depend on how rogers and the packers actually look how about the goodell nightmare the titans make the super bowl they play the 49ers what's that line why is that the goodell nightmare those are the least marketable teams i think the titans are the least marketable team left yeah and it's, I it's think, i think they have to it have sucks for props too because you're not good i mean i guess san fran's probably not that bad for props like i might it might require me to take a nice trip to reno um, okay, let's see. San, San Fran against Tennessee. I think that would be – I would make it about San Fran minus five. I think it would open San Fran minus six and a half maybe. No, I think that will oh. open San Francisco seven. You think seven? 
But if Tennessee keeps going and, and Derrick Henry has another big game and has a week to rest his body. Yeah. I don't I don't see that being less than seven. I think like San Francisco beating Green Bay at home, like I I just don't see it. Okay, but right now we have Kansas City minus seven against Tennessee. Kansas City's at home. True. If true. if Kansas City's not at true. home, that true. line True. Yeah. True. All that's true. All that's true. Okay, fine. And I think Tennessee has more to gain in terms of ups. Like they're going to improve more probably than San Fran would improve. San Fran's not going to improve beating Green Bay as much as Tennessee will improve beating Kansas City. Most there, there, there is some real Tennessee support amongst professional betters. The last two weeks we've seen it, and this week for sure we saw it. I mean that that Chiefs pop minus seven, minus one twenty, up to one twenty five, up to seven and a half. Now it's back down to minus seven even. I mean, minus seven, minus 110. Wait, but not last week. Last week, that line, it, you know, it, it closed in double digits. It got up to double digits. I mean, but, it, it, but that's a, that, to me, the fact that it was ever below 10, and it was, a real, like, it was a real below 10. It was like nine and a half, and then it ended minus 10 even, that kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it's, it surprises me that Tennessee is seeing as much um, support as it is. And, and it's not seeing it, I think, from, the, from at least the people that we know, like the classic analytics people. It's seeing it from maybe people it, who are betting on different things than we are. Right. Are these sharps or are these recreational betters? I think they're sharps because, I mean, I think the line move that I'm seeing in these games indicates to me that, that, that at least the books think they're sharp. Ooh, are, we, are, we, uh, are we into one of these narratives where, like, fade the money – I'm not saying whatever. I'm not saying I'm not telling you what to do with this information, but I'm telling you from reading what's happening, right? In a game where Kansas City is is so much more public and interesting than Tennessee, for that line to go from minus seven and a half to minus seven at this point in the week to me really indicates that that's not that's that's money they actually respect. It's not just dumb right. public money. And we'll see what where the public money takes it, right? I mean, but but last week it moved. I guess the initial line move was well. It initially, stayed around the, the same. Line and then was went down. Up. It wasn't the, down. The most most of the week you could have gotten. There were times during the week you could have gotten nine and a half. It at the end is when it got pushed back up to ten. Didn't it open nine though? Uh, I mean, I saw ten. I saw ten on um, on Sunday night. So it may have opened nine, gone up to ten, and then gone back down to nine and a half. But my point is that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think there are sharp people betting Tennessee. That's my, that's my guess. Okay. Um, anyway, so, and, and back, and then the last combination is Green Bay and Tennessee. Hold on. I'm looking up, I'm looking up this line move here on Tennessee. I want to see where this actually was. You don't like my hocus pocus? Uh, well, it's, it's convenient. So, yeah, okay, it closed minus 10, shaded a little bit towards the Titans. It was... Actually, I guess Bookmaker opened it right about the same, and then it, yeah, but they, and then it was down to nine. You're right, but but they opened later, obviously, than, um, than some other books. So, okay, I, I don't think there was any significant line move there. Okay. But okay, anyway. Tennessee, Tennessee, we're Tennessee Green Bay. Um, Tennessee Green Bay. This is, I think, this is probably the most interesting. In terms of, I mean, it's the most boring to Roger Goodell or to the rest well, of America. He, at least he gets Aaron Rodgers then. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill. I, I would I mean, guess everyone's dying to see Ryan Tannehill in a Super Bowl. Th- this game would obviously this game would be inside a field goal. Um, I think it would. I, I think 
I have it around a pick. I think it would be around a pick. So I, I would probably, so if I think green Bay would, I don't know. Small favorite. I think they would pop as a small favorite. And then I think I would take Tennessee cause I would know that it would move. Um, things have moved against green Bay all, all, all season. And oh my God. Jeff, I'm such an idiot. I've been plugging in these numbers with like actually not. I have. I've been giving you numbers, assuming one team is home and not neutral right. field after, numbers. After you just told me that it's a neutral. Well, so well, right. Which this? I mean, I would say that I okay. I, I can give you. I'll tell you where my numbers actually lie. Then I would say the Kansas City, San Francisco. Um, I would only have it as a three point spread, or I would have it as Kansas City minus three. Before I go. said sort of pickish um kansas city green bay i would have it more than a touchdown Mm -hmm. um san fran tennessee i'd i would make that um like a little less than a field goal san fran minus two i don't know where 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 do you think and you were saying that that opens as san that'll open as san fran minus six and a half I mean, I think it'll open close to a touchdown, but then you basically gave me the whole reasoning around Kansas City, and I don't think you're wrong. I definitely think right, it'll the reasoning open reasoning What's that? Yeah, the reasoning is the same. Yeah, I, 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 irregardless to all of this, you've now thrown out so many numbers that all of our listeners are going to be thoroughly confused and not know how to bet the Super Bowl opener. The, the good news is, um, well, I was going to say you can't bet it yet. But yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee, messy people. has Tennessee minus 3.3. Um, the player model loves green, loves green Bay, loves Aaron Rodgers. So I, I don't know what to think of it. Well, so I think the chiefs will pop higher than three, but it, I don't like this as much. I was, I was all excited to unload on the Niners um, cause they were going to be getting points and you thought it should be even, but really you think Kansas should be favored by three. Yeah. Unless somehow, yeah. They, game to, unless somehow they moved the game to San Francisco. If right, then getting plus three is fantastic. Hmm. Let me see if I can work on that. Um, final thing to talk about. I was going to talk about the college um, championship game. I don't know if you watched that or heard about what happened. I did. I watched. I had bowling league going on. Um, it was the first first match of the second half of the season. We we got second place out of twenty teams in the. What's your What's your best score ever season. bowling? Uh, two seventy eight. You shot. You rolled a two seventy eight. Yeah, are you like a savant? No, nah, uh, I, I my my average is like in the lower third of of the bowlers in this. Bowling league. will not be one of the competitions we do on Arc Decathlon. I'm I'm, I'm I average like 170 for the uh, first half of the season. So, um, I bowled when, when I bowled, I've bowled a 171 once, and I was like excited to tell you about it. <laughs> your average was like 248 or whatever. Well, the the two the funny thing is the 278 I rolled was back like in like 2000. 10 in is Las the, Vegas with a house ball. Is the common vernacular to say you rolled it? Rolled, bold. You don't. I'm just I, asking you a question. I don't think you say shot, though. That's golf. Uh, right. Okay. But, Anyways. Yeah, no, but, but the 278 was with a house ball in, La, like, in Las Vegas when I, in my early days. And What's your handicap these days in golf? Uh, I haven't been, you know, I, I don't play much during the football season. It, I, I think it's an 11, 11 right now. It, I got it down to an 8.9 at my best this summer, and it's regressed. When is that? Uh, I won't say. <laughs> I was going to make a bad comment. I'll move on. I think the bad uh, comment should be made. College football. 
So back to that game. So here, here's my question on this. Uh, I was listening to John Murray and Kazarian on, on their podcast today because I was trying to come up with interesting things to talk about this. And they mentioned um, Doug, I mean, uh, sorry, um, um, John Murray mentioned that sort of every sharp he knew, every somewhat professional, so-called professional, was on Clemson in that game. And, you know, the models, analytics, blah, blah, blah. Um, how do you think about something like that, especially in retrospect to how the game played out? Do you feel like, okay, there was clearly something missing in those models? Do you chalk that up as, you know, one game sample size? Or do you feel confident that if placed in the same situation again, you would bet that a thousand, you bet Clemson a thousand times over? Well, if I'm in the, sa- the same situation after knowing what happened and if they rematched it would be different because we do get information from that game. But, you know, I'm going to draw a parallel to the national championship a year ago when you had Clemson and Alabama and we had the sort of the same situation. I liked Clemson. The market was what they had Alabama minus five, minus six, something like that. And all the analytical systems thought Clemson was the right side there. And Clemson ended up winning in a route. And so I, I don't think – I wouldn't draw too many conclusions from this. Um, obviously, LSU was the better team. And they deserved to win that game. And they won very convincingly. But going into the well, game – Let's say next year a similar situation plays out. It, it very well could, right? Clemson could very well go undefeated next year in, in their regular season. There could be some really great SEC team, maybe Alabama, that just that just trucks through their schedule and they're going to meet again in the, in the finals. Is there anything that would make you with, – with this, with this game, i.e. LSU and Clemson, would, would it make you at all doubt your numbers or shy away from your process? No. Just like last year wouldn't have made me necessarily trust my process that much more just from one game. I mean, you could – I mean, I think after last year's national championship game, people were like, you know – how did we not all see that this was so cut? This is obvious. The numbers said this, but we just all bought into Alabama, you know, Alabama's Alabama. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that this game was so interesting because if, if Clemson gets off the field on third and 19 at the end of the second quarter and gets the ball with the two minutes left to go, it, it could be a, a, a really, really, really different game. Yeah, and if they hadn't made those stupid ass decisions to kick to punt the ball inside the forty yard line, like it was on, on two different drives. Yeah, I mean they had a chance early on in that game to. It seemed like to really take control of that game. They um, did. Their, their defense looked really, really good early. Yeah, and it was because they were doing something that was confusing LSU, and you knew that LSU was going to have to was going to be able to make some real adjustments, and, and they, they seemed to. And yeah, they made really good adjustments. And then also Clemson's middle linebacker got ejected for targeting. And he was the guy that was, he was responsible for, from what I was told by the announcers, call, basically setting the defense. Yeah, but and, by that time. And he also had a lot of the hit, like he, he was generating a lot of pressure himself earlier in the game. Yeah, but at that point, the game was a little bit in hand, right? It was, and I think that was when it was a, was it a, th- no. I think it was at least a two score game at that point. It was not a double-digit game at that point, though. Uh, I think I don't think it was. There was a there was a time in the second half where the live line was Clem, was, was three and a half. 
and and I I hate to admit that I actually fired. Well, yeah, there of course there was because there. there was a time there was a time when Clemson was down by three points with the ball and and they had the ball. Yeah, I'm gonna look up when this targeting happened. But but Trevor Lawrence p- played a very bad game. I mean, if he, he I think he had 13 overthrows was the stat that was quoted, and. Less than fifty percent completion percentage. As good as he was against Alabama in the national title game last year, he was about equally bad in this game. And yeah, this, I, this I, would I, in sort of the range of possible Trevor Lawrence outcomes. This is probably the lowest five percent, fifth percentile for sure. Yeah, I, Joe, I, yeah. I, I definitely think like watching that game, I felt like Lawrence was missing some very makeable throws. Um, and you know was was yeah just like you said was was just the difference compared if you the, the delta between what he was last year to what he was this year if he had played like he had played last year and even even actually Clemson's uh, wide receivers were were doing you know and, and you can attribute that obviously to to somewhat to LSU because they had clearly an elite secondary um, but you know some of that were, were throws that he was just missing. Yeah, a lot of them were throws he was missing. He, you know, he didn't give his receivers much of a chance. And Burrow was was fantastic. Obviously, he it, it, it was ridiculous to see some of those deep throws he made where the where the players were well covered. Like there was, but it, like, there wasn't really room for the throw, but it just landed in the one perfect spot it had to. So that that uh, personal foul happened when it was a one score game, but they were basically they were and goal. But it was was it a three point game at the time? Yeah, yeah, they they were, yeah. and then they they scored a touchdown. Uh-huh. The, the play immediately afterwards. So then it was a so then it was a double. So you're, you're trying to claim victory here? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not claiming victory. I'm <laughs> actually saying you were right. But I think the reason that in my mind I had remembered it is because I felt like they were going in for a score anyways. You know, I had like somewhat given up in my mind at that point. Yeah, that penalty got them half the distance to the goal. You know. Yeah, but that was, yeah. it was going to be a first down anyways. They were probably going to score anyways, even if that dude had stayed in. Anyways, the, the, point, the point is, I don't think that that targeting was the reason that the, they lost, but maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know enough about his role in the defense, but it did seem like from that point on, they were not able to really get the same amount of pressure. Or It, it seemed like at the end of the game, their looks were much more vanilla and easy to diagnose you know, whereas early in the game, they had a bunch of guys around the line of scrimmage who was coming, who wasn't, you know, they were getting, they were blitzing a lot more. It did seem like they stopped blitzing late in the game. So irregardless, it's very, dis- the, the, the actual games that we got to watch this past weekend, I thought were a little bit disappointing and weren't that fun. I really? don't know if you felt that yeah. way. And maybe it's just because I kept losing. So maybe that's why I felt that way, but I definitely felt that way. So I, I had a nice run with, with, Live betting stuff, which basically dug me. Part are way out are of you the hole. are you running a model for your live betting? Or are you looking at Deck Prism or a combination? Yeah, I, I have something. Model, then you look at Deck Prism, and <laughs> then you ask Preston and I what we have over WhatsApp, and then you just do what you do. Yeah, I, I like texting you guys at halftime and seeing what you guys are on. Although most of the time, I've already fired at that point. Yeah, well, you wouldn't trust us more than your numbers, anyways. No, not not for the second half. But if you, if I had a lean on something, and I, and you guys were like, "Yeah, I like this too," and I wanted to, and I felt like I had a little gamble in me. I know I, we I, were all we we all like whipped each other into a frenzy about about uh, Houston plus seven in the Kansas City game. About which which bet? Houston plus seven in the second half. 
Oh yeah, that didn't that didn't turn out. So <laughs> didn't work out so well. Nah. And Preston actually likes liked it liked some under there too, which didn't work out so well. I did not have that under there. I don't believe. Yeah. Anywho, we I actually had I had Minnesota in the in the second half of that Niners game also plus the three plus I think I got I think you said you had a plus three and a half plus one hundred five or something like that. Did I bet it that, there? No, no. Actually, you said that they had it in in uh, DraftKings had it in New Jersey and that you weren't in New Jersey, so you were bummed out about that because you would never bet anything illegally. So I took a little plus three plus one fifteen. That's what I got there. I got pl- I had plus three plus money also in that situation, which obviously lost. So. There you go. Um, and and the, the other game of the Houston – actually, I did take a little bit of under 27 in that Houston game, Houston-Kansas City, and I had I had Houston plus seven too for the second half. So, yeah, basically second half didn't work out very well, except Baltimore-Tennessee second half. Okay. Um, last last thing. You're, you said you've been firing or getting ready for, for prop bets for the Super Bowl – Getting more king of the props. And for those of you guys who haven't been with us for very long, Rufus had a whole article written about him because that's how we got to start Super Bowl props. So our Super Bowl prop episode is one of the most, it's probably the most sought after, waited for episodes of the sports betting world. Like everyone will want to listen to that. And so make sure that you get that because we only let the first uh, 50,000 people that download it listen to it. Otherwise, it's gone. It's a limited edition situation what does it mean that you are prepping for props right now so i'm doing a little more qualitative research than i have in past years Um, i'm also just dusting off the old all the old code and trying to rediscover like what i actually did in the past because i do this once a year i don't bet props any other weeks so i was king of the props 10 years ago but now uh i'm not i'm not using all the newfangled stuff and not using it that much at least or for everything, but, but, uh, it means that I am actually doing qualitative stuff like looking through, um, you know, watching, watching, I'm watching game film, Jeff, I'm studying, I'm, I'm studying and looking at some of the things that you can't glean from, uh, from the play by play, in terms of, how do you know this evaluation that you're doing is plus EV? Uh, well, in terms of time spent, I'm not sure it is, but I do think in terms of, I think that there are certain props where there are edges to be gained by looking at situational stuff. So I'll give you an example. Um, think about fourth downs. Like there's going to be a prop on whether a team will convert a fourth down, um, whether each team will convert a fourth down and then we'll, whether either team will convert a fourth down. And there's always the, like, you know, the long field goal prop. Uh, and so a lot of it is figuring out what decisions coaches are making. Like maybe a team hasn't, maybe one team has the longest field goal they've attempted is, you know, 51 yards this year, but they haven't really been in any situations where they realistically would have had an even opportunity to attempt like a, a slightly longer one. Maybe it happened to be, you know, if it's 30 degrees out, you're not going to be trying a 54 yard field goal most likely. Um, and so look, I mean, I think that, do you think it'll do what what do you think the temperature of Miami will be? Do you think it'll be like seventies? We can't make the indoor jokes because it's least it's not even it's at least outdoors. Yeah, I know, but like if you look at for example, looking at um I think Justin Tucker is gonna have the longest field goal. Well, you know, he has the I mean the te- well, not the Texans. The Titans haven't like they've attempted one f- they've made one field goal and like do you the- even know the Titans kicker's name? No, Bishop, maybe? I don't know. 
Is that it? It's like Corey Joseph or something. Like Joseph Bishop, something like that. But no, he literally had never kicks the ball. Like they don't. They they have. They're like they've scored twenty five touchdowns in their last twenty six red zone possessions or something insane like that. That's probably not the right number, but it's like oh, it, it is. So it is like ninety five percent. It's ridiculous since Tannehill took over. I think his name is Greg Joseph or something. Does okay. that sound right? Joseph Bishop. Some you know. That was pretty <laughs> I close. Think Corey Joseph is better. Okay. But, Jeff, the other – I mean, think about this. Like, Kansas City played a game um, – they played a game at in Denver at altitude. They've played another game um, in Mexico City at altitude. They've played a bunch of games recently in really cold weather with a lot of wind. Like, especially for kicking props, these things are extremely important. And looking back, like, having video and seeing, okay, th- this particular quarter they were against the wind – which is why they made this particular decision not to kick a field goal. And maybe are that's why that quali- this kickoff you, was short. Are you turning that qualitative information to something quantitative? Yes. Okay. 100% That's all yes. I need to know. As long as that's the case, then I'm on board with your process. It is, it is a quanti- qualitative data collection exercise. Got it. Looking at film. And if you you'd like to participate friend, in the, film, in the no. film study, just let me know. There's he some tasks. Know. He might Sorry? be able to farm it out to as many minions. Uh, you know, I actually have my brother has been extremely helpful on this. What, the word minions made you think of your brother? Well, no, I was just saying that my brother. I know brother he listens to this podcast. When I'm, when I'm really too mean to you, he wants to scold me and tell me not to be so mean to you. He has some really good notes here. Don't be so mean to Rufus? No, no, just about like, you know. Is he going to be your best man? Yeah, definitely. Did you already ask him? He's not just my best man. He is the best man. Did you already ask him or am I jumping the gun? Is this, is this awkward? No, I asked him. I, he always knew that if, if and when I got married, he would be the best man. Are you going to invite me to your wedding? Of course. Okay, good. You I better be I, there. I, I said, I said I'm hopefully going to be invited to Rufus's wedding. Dude, of course. Can I maybe do a reading or something? But I feel well, like apparently Eli's family has uh, given out like, four readings and because of i don't know apparently there's more we have more readers than we have readings because they didn't want to because there's too many people they have to satisfy i may be out on your wedding if there's gonna be four readings at your wedding well i might be out if there's gonna be four readings (laughs) all right guys thanks for (laughs) thanks for listening on that note um i don't i don't are we gonna do one next week are we just gonna do props you're not gonna be able to do props by next week so we'll probably skip next week and then load up for two weeks or maybe what we'll do is do a a guest next week we'll see yeah maybe we can have a different guest talking about props get some different perspectives on it maybe okay it could be good but i'm gonna be but i definitely cannot do it late in the week because i'm gonna be firing i'm I'm heading to vegas I tomorrow i know tomorrow morning vegas baby i remember and, i remember one year i was trying to get some cash from you this week and i felt like i was trying to get cash out of uh i don't know what it was out of like a, a cow. really hard you were so busy okay guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys again probably in either a week or two analytically driven media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic the bottom line is watered down it seems like they don't get it puppeteers are about to end just running off a of leaded 